<coughs> Excuse me. I don't know if I'm asking for trouble if I put this cough sweet in my mouth while I'm talking, so I'll put it aside for now, see if I can manage. So, um, yeah, I uh, I know I tend to speak softly, so I'm going to try and keep my voice up. And please do if I feel if if it sounds too loud, I hope you can bear with that. And if it really if you really can't hear, do wave at me or say oi or something, so that I can. <laughs> And yeah, so thank you. I appreciate your uh, helping me with that. It's ongoing training. Seems to be taking a long time. Speak up, Caroline. Um, <laughs> um, so this evening, I'd like to offer some <coughs> reflections on the an area of our experience, and therefore an area of our practice. <laughs> which we uh, think have a special opportunity, well, as we do with everything really on retreat, to really look into, to see, to strengthen our capacity to be with and understand. And uh, so I would like to touch on the experience of thought and thinking. Yeah. Anybody had any thoughts today? (laughs) Yeah, probably... (laughs) Quite a few. And I know you've all been at this a long time and you've heard many, many talks on this and, you know, you have your own wisdom and your own kind of skillful means with this. So I hope, again, there might be something helpful in this. Um, And just to really commend us all to, I don't know, just maybe... If you, you know, highlighting this, sometimes I think of that, you know, highlighting a certain aspect of our experience. And this week, I, through preparing for this talk, I've been spending some of my practice time practicing being aware of thought. It's been great. It's been really good. <laughs> I think, you know, maybe we have tendencies. You know, I think I tend to be more with the body and feelings and emotions and this kind of thing. And and so I was like, hey, this is, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> so interesting, so interesting. So I hope, um, yeah, I hope to continue with that because it has felt actually re- really, really helpful. And, um, and so, uh, again, for each of you, I know such a variety of practices and sort of where you're at. So, um, you know, perhaps in some parts of a retreat, the thought, thought gets very, very quiet. <laughs> and then even coming to a talk like this can feel sort of annoying or so maybe so just acknowledging this is not where everybody's at and always the encouragement as far as you can and wish to, to let the, let it arise, the sound, the voice arise and pass, you know, it's uh, maybe a most useful use of the time. <coughs> mm. Yeah, I, I, I did think, I did wonder about just doing a guided meditation, but now I'm going to give a talk and maybe pause a little now and then to see, yeah, what thoughts we might notice. 
I was noticing as my mind's not very quiet and settled because I'm, I don't know, I'm in the world doing email and all this kind of thing. And, and uh, I was noticing how in the chanting I can almost feel how steady my mind is because it, I don't know if yours does this at all, it like inserts little thoughts and comments in, in between the verses of the chanting. It's like, please, you know? It's just really almost like it's kind of just a little word or a little, it's like, shush, I'm trying to concentrate on the chant. <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, and, and just this week in picking up this theme a little bit, and you know, you know, on retreat and also in your life, the value of picking up a theme, yeah, or an area of practice sometimes so helpful for a week, for a month, for a year. You probably have done that and you've, you know, it's very helpful um, not to be exclusive, but as a way of, again, sort of sometimes highlighting or strengthening a certain capacity, such as the, you know, this awareness of s- sort of thought, which is so, um, isn't it so slippery and so can be very loud and obvious and some sometimes so subtle and quick and so mm. so i heard a quotation i hope this is accurate because it feels about like about fourth hand or something so but that um when asked for some comment on a observation of the western mind um, uh, a, a, a great um, meditation teacher, Ajahn Buddhadasa, said, lost in thought. Lost in thought. Oh, what? Yeah. Mm. And, you know, I think one of the benefits of highlighting this in practice sometimes is the realization of the degree to which we are lost in thought so much of the time so much of the time i was lucky enough earlier in the week to be actually talking with joseph goldstein about this we we were you know talking a bit about this practice and focusing on thought and he was sharing how i don't think he would mind me sharing said on retreat, noticing, beginning to to really notice these sort of periods of time where thought would be kind of just, these are my words, not his, but sort of rumbling along quietly, you know, burbling, almost slightly below the level of consciousness almost. And and then you say, oh, there's this, somebody's talking. Who's that? Oh, it's me. (laughs) You know, and, and it's like, Maybe through our conditioning, I think, for a lot of us, a strong conditioning, you know, of thinking and, and, and studying and reading and all of this. And then the way we relate, how that affects the way we relate to ourselves and are with ourselves. Almost as we don't have to, how to be with ourselves unless we're talking to ourselves. Like, how are you? I'm fine. No, I'm not feeling very good. Really, what should we do now? You know? <laughs> and I think sometimes some of that sort of talk can be helpful. You know, like sometimes I, I, I kind of play with that a bit and I'm like, okay, team, it's off. It's time to go and do the talk. Come on. You know, <laughs> it's just sort of 
like, yeah, you know, come on, we can do this. Um, <laughs> yeah, and out, out, anyway, so as, as you know, it's, it's so fascinating. It's like thought and that whole realm of thought and thinking, it can be so beautiful, so helpful in practice and in our life. And that could be a whole other talk, couldn't it, about the uses of thought in practice. You know, the skillful, you know, things that you've discovered yourself, little, you know, reflections and phrases and words and images and 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 the the from the teachings of the Buddha, you know, the the use of words, the use of concept, extremely important, extremely helpful. But I think probably, at least for me, it's like it's it's what's what's often most helpful is actually very minimal. It's like you know our tendency might be to you know like talk for five minutes and actually there's one word or like just what's happening I know one question it's like ah the way that then words can illuminate or point to experience anyway many many ways obviously um but I suppose in this thought I'm I'm focusing a bit on that sense of both the awareness, how do we cultivate, how do we support perhaps the intention to be aware of thought, and then also how to investigate so we can understand more clearly, you know, see directly in our experience the processes of mind that thought is part of that leads to suffering. You know, so that's the you know, that's the point in a way, isn't it? It's not just some academic or like, you know, exercise or theoretical. It's like how, ah, seeing how thought and thinking, it's like, so there's um, this sense of sometimes maybe there's no harm or there's no, you know, it's like just comes and goes. It doesn't. And then other times, you know, there's a sense of, ah, you know, that's, that's, I don't follow that one. Ooh, you know, that's, let that one go. Okay, and then other thought, oh, I can, like earlier this evening I noticed a little memory of something rather sweet, like a kind of fun, sweet interaction that happened that was like a friendly, you know, like, ah, oh, friendly, you know, and so remembering it was like just allowing that thought, ah, oh, yeah, a smile, like, and then that was letting it go but I think this is part of I found myself when I was earlier this week I, I and I would was managing to do this practice of trying to notice thoughts and I was I was realizing I was smiling and I was realizing the practice was making me smile I thought well why <laughs> And I don't really know, I can't explain exactly, but I think there was something, there was something almost just freeing in the very, oh, I can be aware of of thought. Oh, happy. (laughs) So I don't know, it's maybe when our habit is to be so unaware or lost in it or something, there's something like, oh, 
little bit little taste of freedom in that just being able to see some of these anyway so i wanted to share also a few quotations from the buddha and partly because i was thinking well we we may think of this as a rather contemporary disease for a lot of us you know blame it on our contemporary culture and and yet it seems to have been also problematic this experience of thought and thinking in the buddha's time um as well so there's something i think um just to acknowledge the yeah just it's something we have to we we have to contend with here and now and it's it's just been been around a long time and so i want to share a little bit um and i okay these first two quotes are from the dhammapada and then and the third one is from the middle length saying the number 19 and i wanted to, i'm going to share from a little bit from there's this wonderful sequence of three suttas in the early texts in the in the middle length discourses 18 19 and 20 and they they're this amazing little group with a lot to offer on working with thought so if you're interested you can kind of check those out um yeah so is the buddha you probably are familiar with these we are what we think all that we are arises with our thoughts with our thoughts we make our world hmm. so again if we're finding some inspiration or motivation for why it might be important to understand to know our thoughts that might be one and what we frequently think about and ponder upon this will become the inclination of our mind yeah you probably that's actually from the majjhimanikaya number 19 what we frequently think about and ponder upon this will become the inclination of our mind yeah and lastly back to the dhammapada again the thought manifests as the word the word manifests as the deed the deed develops into habit and habit hardens into character so watch the thought and its ways with care and let it spring from love born out of concern for all beings i mean we could spend weeks just on that can't we so much the thought manifests as the word the word manifests as the deed the deed develops into habit and habit hardens into character so watch the thought and its ways with care and let it spring from love born out of concern for all beings
So, just some more practical thoughts maybe on how we can practice in a way that that supports this uh, awareness of, of thought and the discernment, isn't it? A discernment between what to follow and what to let go of. And... I just want to describe, which is, is when I was practicing with this this week, and I thought, well, this is Mindfulness 101, you know, it's like, this is the forest refuge, you know, it's like this. <laughs> and I thought, well, I found it helpful, and maybe, it, it's interesting to me that something like thought is not, it's not a foundation for mindfulness, it's mindfulness helps us be aware of it. I think that's, I hope that makes sense. I hope that's correct. But it feels like, so I've noticed how, you know, after a period of, again, interaction and emails and doing this and that, and then there was one period that I, it took me half an hour of walking to, for the fog to clear before I could get back to the, if you like, the, the, the foundation, the body, seeing, hearing, and then I could start again to see or sort of hear thoughts. So my little practice, my little dead obvious practice with this is <laughs> first establish a good, some steadiness, you know, with the body, with metta, with, you know, seeing and hearing, and then just have the intention to notice thought. It's like, and that's all you're taking care of in a way. And then sometimes you notice, you notice one and it can, oh, there it goes. Hi, bye. Um, and sometimes maybe you wake up mid middle of, you know, sort of, some strange sequence of events that finally you, you, you're in Sainsbury's in Birmingham in England and you really don't know how you got there. Um, I think, oh, thinking. And you just, you just come back. You just come back to body, seeing, hearing, breathing. Yeah. <laughs> pretty simple. It's pretty simple but very powerful, very powerful. And, you know, you could add, or you could create your own little practice, you know, I think the sort of variations, what works for you. And a couple of variations that I found helpful. One is when sometimes just, you know, noting the kind of thought, I mean, you've probably done this, you know, planning, worrying, remembering. Fearful. I mean, you know, you something quite helpful about either noting thinking or noting 
the the kind of thought the 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 you could say the variety or the tendency it's like i think part of the happiness that i was beginning to feel was just like oh it kind of depersonalizes it it's sort of part of that process of you know of of, of making it feel less embarrassing or something is it like oh dear um oh it's just planning it's like that's what minds do a lot of people's minds and something about that noting that as a you know or, or that thing that you're worried about or that person that you're still angry with it's just like kind of noticing it as a theme as a topic somehow think, oh it's just that and then you just come back to hearing seeing it's like oh and can you hear in that even though it's so simple in a way it's actually disempowering some of the 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 hook the kind of you know the uh, it's like oh joseph was also giving the example of the wizard the wizard of oz you know and this sort of sense of when we're not really aware of it when we're not kind of like you know that you the toto pulls the curtain across and there's this guy pulling levers and things and it's like but out you know sort of not not seeing that is just like big you know you are this i am that you know you will never you know those kinds of thoughts you have in meditation <laughs> really loud really true um really loud and really true <laughs> really loud <laughs> and really true um and you pull back the curtain it feels a little bit like that this sort of maybe that's the thing oh it's just you know, he also used the image of seeing it on a screen as if, you know, again, depending on how your your mind works. Another thing that I found very helpful, which I've heard in some de- described in some different ways. So you with this same practice, either sitting or walking, I say just spending some time, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour. I don't know. You just like it's like. You're sitting near a chipmunk hole. I use chipmunk because there's chi- chipmunks around here. So, And you just wait. You're waiting for the chipmunk to pop up. So waiting for thoughts to pop up. Yeah, I hope that works as a simile. And... Sooner or later, (laughs) something will happen. Sound, sign, thought. Ah. So it's like that sense of just watching and then, you know, it pops out and then you don't follow it. You don't run after the chipmunk, you know. You just stay and it's like, oh, you know, you might be drawn. Oh, it's so cute. You know, you know, happy thought, pleasant thought. Yeah, I'll follow that one. Okay, then the really really ugly chipmunk comes out it's kind of hard to imagine and he's like oh no not that chipmunk no way i'm not looking at that unpleasant thought don't want to think that shove it back in the hole (laughs) hope nobody's watching (laughs) that's that just came into my mind right now i apologize i'm like (laughs) you know we're not in control of our mind (laughs) um Hopefully some good intention in that too. 
We'll see. Right, moving along rapidly. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, we, you know, I was also, I think, I think maybe part of why the smile was appearing was a sense of, maybe, I don't know if a lot of people have this, a sense of self-censorship of kind of, maybe that's some of that internalized depression of, you know, thou, thou shalt not speak, act, be, or think. You know, it's like other than what you're supposed to. And I think there's maybe something freeing and sort of like enlivening and, and encouraging about, oh, it's a bit bizarre, but, you know, never mind. Um, and we and we can learn and we, it doesn't mean we have to love all the thoughts and, you know, kind of, but, but, ah, oh, just, ah, oh, like... Sound, sight, thought, sense of then maybe thought and thinking can just take its place in the family of things, in the family of phenomena, you know, not carry so much weight, or sort of equalizing kind of, you know, that equanimity. And again, I think that's particularly helpful with the, you know, the topics that can trigger us. And one other thing with that that has been helpful for me is the in the so you establish some anchor and then you notice the thought, you note the kind or variety and then you come back. But in the coming back, relax the body. Or just invite it to relax. Because I think often with thoughts and thinking and maybe just practice in general, it's like the tendency. So just... Oh, okay. Somehow. And then... Yeah. So one of my teachers, Martine Batchelor, I learned, I found it helpful from her to sometimes talk about different and intensities of thought and how maybe our sense of skillful means with them may vary according to how charged they are and what we can do when when thought is very light might be different than what we can manage when it's very charged and intense or kind of loud i find that helpful so we might um when we maybe it's sort of moderate or you know it's not too strong but it's also not very light you know we can actually catch certain topics or uh yeah kind of themes and noticing learning and i know i'm sure you all already do this but again i i think it's very it's 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 something good to learn about ourselves about our particular minds and the way the process works because i think we're all a bit different and maybe we have particular you know triggering areas whether it's sound or particular kinds of sound or particular sights or and just and then oh there's that again there's that again and and knowing again the familiarity of that the certain kinds of triggers and so many examples um, 
probably if you, you know, when if you do this practice, or maybe you've noticed today a certain contact, a certain sound or sight or even a thought, then has this sort of sort of triggering effect. Sometimes you don't, maybe it's hard to catch, but then with the refinement and the, as the mind steadies and quietens and mindfulness strengthens, you get more and more a sense of, ah, the relationship or the this sort of, you know, like something we're preconditioned to. I have this, there's a bird around here. I really don't like that bird call. I just don't like it. I really think it ought not to make that noise. They have much nicer birds in England, make much nicer sounds. I wish I didn't have to listen to that. It's so harsh. It's so, there's only two tones. Hmm. Papancha. Papancha. And I think this is great because obviously some topics, some papanchering is much harder to contemplate, maybe feels more personal or more difficult or you know so really good to practice with the the sort of you know lighter stuff the the stuff which is like not so significant although they've put porridge out again oh god you know (laughs) you know that kind of thing or i mean there's plenty of them aren't there but i think it's so interesting the wonder of the dharma you know one of the wonders of the dharma is that when you take experience as practice, it becomes dharma. Yay! You know. And of course it doesn't always feel like good news when it's something really unpleasant. You know. But, um, yeah. So I wanted to share with you this wonderful, from the Honeyball Sutta, which is the one of this wonderful group of three. It's the first one. So-called, rather sweet, sweet, at the end. And uh, it gets named the honey ball because it's so delicious, so nourishing and delicious. So this, again, you probably know this very well. It's about this, this process that we can learn to see, to, to understand, to feel it happening in, in our own experience and just in the seeing, in the, in the knowing it, in the knowing of the process itself, there is freedom. This is, this is part of the wonder, isn't it? That thinking doesn't have to stop in order for liberation to, to arise. With contact as condition, there is feeling. What one feels, one perceives. What one perceives, one thinks about. With what one thinks about, that one mentally proliferates. With what one has mentally proliferated as source, perceptions and notions beset a person with regard to past, future and present. So contact, feeling, perception, contact, sound, feeling, unpleasant, perceive, bird, with a bad voice. Thinking about, 
England has better birds. I wish I was in England. I used to be in England. I wish I'd be in England again. I don't like being here. Can you? I'm just. That's a bit silly, but it's so. It happens so quickly, and I think that's another wonderful thing on retreat. That if you can, like this little kind of, what is like a little. It's that quick. It's even quicker than that, isn't it? Extraordinary. As the mind quietens and steadies, you can actually see all of that happen in a moment. And so, yeah. Again, that's why we practice, isn't it? Like to at least one of the reasons why we practice to be able to have the steadiness and the clarity to be able to to directly directly see yeah boy i'm hmm let's see hmm hmm i'm not going to get through half of this um Maybe just one other thing, because um, it comes up very much in the first of the suttas I mentioned in number 18, about the practice of knowing or discerning, kind of checking out whether the thought or the, yeah, the, the, whether it's wholesome or unwholesome, helpful or unhelpful. Yeah. And, being able to, again, as a practice, I haven't been doing this recently, but it, it's, I think I was having a sense of it like um, comparing it to wise speech, which is obviously very closely connected. It's part of that, the vajisankara, the, the, this, this verbal uh, formation tendency. And being able to discern and know whether a th- you know whether a thought whether it's helpful is it timely you know it's a very similar kind of guide in a way to the guidelines on wise speech is it be- is it connected with kindness is it useful is it true and is it timely this is one of the this is so important this one i think because you know, that's part of what catches us. Maybe it does feel like an important thing. And there are many things we need to think about in our life. But, you know, do we need to do it now? You know, maybe you do, in which case, go ahead. But then they can be, isn't it, a kind of discernment. Because it, we have to remember the weight of the conditioning is just think. It doesn't matter if it's helpful or not. Just think. <laughs> At least that's how it feels to me sometimes. Just, you know. So when thinking is very charged or intense, and I was thinking, well, you know, the the Buddha talks about a couple of the things he recommends in the Sutta the number 20 is... One is to just don't think about it. You know, remove the attention, drop the topic. Don't, don't go there. Sometimes maybe that's hard to do, 
but that's when I think you know you can use another the other one that he he suggests is to replace thoughts you know to actually actively bring in other topics you know meta meta phrases or just anything start thinking about the garden or the trees or just something either neutral or wholesome you know just to kind of again sometimes just to withdraw that energy um shift the energy as a sort of time for wise avoidance you know it's such a skill isn't it because it's we can have that feeling like i've just got to be with it whatever it is you know and that's all i can do and i'm not sure that that's correct well that's what the buddha was saying i think that can be a kind of prison or a sort of trap and he taught so many skillful means so maybe sometimes it's better just to go for a walk and sing a song <laughs> but away from the buildings so you're not disturbing other yogis right yeah so there's something about the yeah so opening to the underlying energy or emotions net sometimes with the really charged stuff like actually being able to find a way of kind of dropping down under the story and under the thoughts and say oh you know there's something here oh dear you know something hurt something's hurting something frightened like really coming to that what sort of underneath i think it was the underbelly or the undercarriage of the of the thoughts and that's something also recommended by the buddha so many many things and i um and to indulge i don't know this is i really think that creative expression is extraordinarily helpful in this regard i mean i don't recommend writing too much poetry on retreat because we're trying to keep things simple here um but i have occasionally received haikus from yogis who have found that helpful I even heard one of my teachers recently talking about doodling your mind state found it very helpful apparently so you know there you are you know you drawing as some sort of way that the thoughts different ways of relating to the thoughts you know this sort of listening exploring not not to add to the proliferation but as a way of another way of processing um so i used to write a lot of poetry and not so much now but um and again perhaps more outside of retreat than on retreat but i mean i don't know yeah mm what's skillful what's helpful yeah um so i will share this with you um because i i this particular poem is an example of how i i used the, the expression the sort of expressive um writing sort of form to explore a bit the story one of the you know there's stories self view kind of you know story about me that we probably all have uh some of those to some degree and the way that maybe processing it and putting it on paper again is a way of 
relativizing. I keep using that. What do I, you know, oh, that's that. Again, actually, ironically, almost paradoxically, it makes it less personal because you sort of like it's out of here, you know, this kind of crazy mind body thing going on. It's like, oh, yeah. And, and there's a sense in which I think the same thing can happen in the Kalyanamitta, in the, f- the spiritual friendship. It's the same sort of process somehow. Through conversation, you know, it happens in one-to-ones with you and maybe in your group discussion, you know, we're just listening and sharing and it's like, oh, shared presence. And I think that this something about maybe opening up this, a sort of creative reflective space within ourselves which can really facilitate a kind of, oh, Oh, like, I love this quote from, oh, who is this from? Oh, dear, and I'm going to have, I'm going to forget because I didn't write it here. That with a lot of our sort of stories and self-views and those, they're real but not true. Those, you know, that that sense of, uh, this one, you'll see why I'm, why I'm chosen this poem. My sad story. Poor me. Let me tell you how they hurt me. This is true. But poetry, she interrupt, say things like marmalade or soap or war or pomegranate seed. They left me, you see. Poetry, get down. Sit, girl, sit. She just won't sit. She keeps bounding around. Let me tell you what they did. Off the sofa, down. She interrupt me when I say the me, 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 poor me, she bark. She take me out the house and show me stars. And then we howl. And then we howl and howl. Thank you for your forbearance. <laughs> yeah, but this um, creativity of mind, again, the, the wise use of thought the wise use of this great sort of, you know, capacity that we have as human beings. Maybe there can be some creative exploration in that, both on our own and, and, and with others, in order to bring more of a sense of freedom, bring more of a sense of this is just another phenomena. And that's that's where I kind of want to kind of end up with this talk, is um, in this practice of of aware, aware, awareness of thoughts and thinking, the investigation, the maybe the expression in the service of awareness um, and investigation. That sense of maybe when thoughts are quieter, when it's more, you know, when it's not so charged, we can start to feel and recognize and know the insubstantiality of what is a thought, you know, what is that? This is kind of seeing or noticing, like, oh, it just, you know. Or even a papancha stream, you know, once it's over, it's gone. So practicing in that way of seeing and noticing and noticing what happens to your experience when you can begin to get a sense of the uh, the insubstantiality of thought its ephemerality its its um, fleetingness 
So it's an it's a paradox maybe that we're all we're trying to on the one hand appreciate the power of thought to do harm or to do good. So this is no small thing. It's like everything has an effect. Everything it's like these 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 are pathways that are being deepened or not. And on the other hand, you know, both also that's helping to free us from our uh, sort of entrancement with or battle with. <laughs> it's just that allowing thought and thinking to become dhammas, yeah, to become a place of revelation and just a phenomena that can reveal the nature of of reality and the nature of the mind the nature of awareness and it, it it is that it can it can do that it can offer that if we can step back from the topics and the stories and look at the process and start to get interested in um, really knowing really letting this again as i said earlier join the family of things join in be kind of included in the family of our experience where we we're, we're enhancing we're growing our capacity to be steady and clear with the emotions with the thoughts with the sensations and that sense of ah this too it's just that it's just that And just tasting the sense of freedom, maybe right there, with just a moment of, oh, it's just, it's, it's just that. Yeah. So, much more could be said and thought on this topic. Um, but I'm really hoping that... Uh, thinking about thought will not become, you know, more pre- proliferation to, <laughs> but more like, can I see it? Can I know it? That's the, to me, is to go back to that. Yes, recognize thought as thought. And maybe we will have a kind of illumination that uh, Dilgo Kientse Rinpoche, great uh, Tibetan Dzogchen teacher, describes. Remember that a thought is only a fleeting conjunction of myriad factors. It does not exist by itself. Recognize its empty nature. It will immediately lose its power to elicit the next thought and the chain of delusion will be broken. Just read that one more time. Remember that a thought is only a fleeting conjunction of myriad factors. It does not exist by itself. Recognize its empty nature. 
it will immediately lose its power to elicit the next thought and the chain of delusion will be broken. Thank you for your attention. Let's close our time together by chanting the reflection on the sharing of blessings. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org dot org slash donate.